Hello, and welcome to Core Sampler, the podcast where we drill into the Sitecore community to bring you insights into the work talented people are doing every day on the Sitecore Experience platform. Whether you're a developer, a marketer, or both, we're glad you're here. And now your host, Derek Dysart. Welcome to Core Sampler. My name is Derek Dysart, and in this episode, we talk with Kelly Brennan. Kelly is a solutions architect with EPAM Systems, and I wanted to have some folks on the show to talk about Sitecore's commerce offering. And in addition to being a solutions architect, Kelly is a Sitecore Commerce MVP. So we kind of talk a little bit about who is a good fit for Sitecore's commerce offering and what's kind of involved in getting up to speed on it. So without further ado, please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Kelly Brennan. Kelly, welcome to Core Sampler. Thank you very much for having me. So I've I've had a number of people. I, I, I've wanted to talk about Sitecore's commerce offering for quite a while, and a lot of people pointed me in your direction uh, as someone. Uh, you know, if you want to learn more about commerce. Um, you should, you should really talk to Kelly. So, um, and before we kind of dive into commerce, I, I, I guess for the, for the listeners, how did you sort of get involved with, with Sitecore and, and its, in its commerce offerings? So, um, I, oddly enough, been working in, um, in the technology industry and I got a job, uh, doing CSS and HTML and eventually started doing C sharp development. And I actually had an interview with a digital agency back in Sydney. And uh, one of my interview questions was, have you worked with Sitecore before? And I said, no, somehow still managed to get the job and started doing Sitecore development about a month later. (laughs) So, it was really just falling into it. And I was kind of one of the only technical staff in a sort of expansion office in Sydney. And I remember, you know, trying to be on the phone and talking to people down in Melbourne and not understanding what was going on and, you know, sort of some limited training materials. And eventually it all just clicked and came together. And I really just enjoyed working with the platform and um, also the people in the projects that I was working on at the time as well. And my intro into commerce, you know, as a general kind of thing as e-commerce started a little bit earlier, um, just doing sort of small uh, e-commerce websites. Some of the more memorable ones included, you know, selling courses to teach women how to uh, fix their car, uh, which (laughs) I never took and I really regret that decision. Um, And for Game, who was uh, a big kind of video game store in Australia and I think the UK um, before they went bust in Australia. Uh And I started a new Sitecore job many, many years after that and just kind of got thrown onto a Sitecore Commerce project. And it was when the Sitecore Commerce offering had just been released and it was pretty much full commerce server (laughs) with Sitecore integration, some nice limited installation instructions, Mm -hmm. scripts that didn't work and a a lot of just figuring it out. And I've always liked the the challenge of figuring it out. Yeah, there certainly was a lot to figure out in those those times it was i mean there was just even a couple different offerings if i remember right there was i think there was a they, they had kind of the or maybe this was even predated that it was if, if i remember right it was the the commerce connector and then there was one that connected it to somehow microsoft dynamics dx was involved and then there was another one where it was was the the, the commerce server product that's it um yeah and, it's and, still and, there 
<laughs> so believe it or not, those three offerings were actually still there and uh-huh. still active. So I'm working on a project at the moment that's still Sitecore Commerce powered by Commerce Server okay. and the straight Commerce Server 8.2. And, you know, I've got colleagues that are working on, you know, new Sitecore Commerce implementations with Microsoft Dynamics 360. 360, 365, <laughs> right. always mix those, those ones up. So, um, you know, with the cloud offering for Microsoft Dynamics. So, it's still there and it's still happening. And I think that there's some benefits of that commerce server platform that aren't necessarily fully achieved yet in the new version. So, Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, it's, um, you and I were talking before we recorded, you know, my, my exposure to commerce server was, was way back in, it was like 2002. Uh, it was actually for commerce server 2002. I was actually trained to train people on uh commerce server. And I mean, that was, I mean, I think that at that time it's still predated.net. So it was all still classic ASP and, and com components. Uh, the, 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 oh. the back the back end was a was a an HTA application so you could only run it in Internet Explorer and there's just a lot of uh, a lot of stuff so that was back way back when it was still a Microsoft product um, Microsoft I, 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 I'm hazy I've talked to a couple of the folks on that product team yeah. you know my, Microsoft spun it off I think it was to a larger agency that was doing a lot of implementations with it and then ultimately was bought by Sitecore um, yeah. And then kind of brought into the fold, but as you as you indicated, it was you know initially came in, and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. A lot of it when it when it came in, it's still it's, it's still a lot of com components, correct? Yeah, I mean, the first thing that you'll run across when you do um, any of the cycle commerce development powered by Commerce Server is com exceptions. <laughs> it's just, and you know, it's it's difficult when you're learning a product where you get those kind of exceptions and you don't get a lot of detail and eventually you start to learn what what it could be. You know, you, you start to think, okay, maybe I need to check my profile database or maybe I need to check my permissions. But for people that are starting it, it kind of creates a quite a large barrier. And some of that is definitely carried over to the the new product. The exceptions are better, but you know, we're we're still in a new product with a new way of uh, thinking and a new way of development from sort of classic site core um, work, which I think has I'm I'm not by nature I try and be uh, not a negative person and be more positive about things. So I like I said, I like the challenge of figuring those things out, but sometimes it's difficult for for people that are that are starting out. And I think it's imp, um, impacted the take up there of the product at the beginning too. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's. Um, I think you, you, you touch on a good point, and it's something I, I've kind of heard. What are you know if 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 you're you know you're a psychor, uh you know developer or architect out there, and you're management or whoever has has decided hey we need you to get up to speed on commerce I mean, what what are some of the, the the good resources out there because you know it, it, i know that there's it, there's there's been more that's that's come out but i i know when you know it first came over it was just even knowing what to call the thing like you said it was it was Sitecore commerce powered by commerce <laughs> yeah. server. We're um, at Sitecore experience commerce now yeah. <laughs> is and that's the the full the full kind of platform of everything moved over to the commerce engine. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so even the name's confusing. And because it's such a recent product, 
that that full kind of implementation, you do still have a lot of naming convention issues. So, you know, I, I'm working on a 8.2, which is still technically Sitecore Commerce and it is powered by Commerce Server. Then you get into the 8.2.1s, which are still half Commerce Server, half Commerce Engine um, before getting to 9. But I think the official direction from Sitecore is it's all Sitecore Commerce now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it's... It, it, how can you talk about it without talking about the underlying kind of commerce engine there as well, which also confuses people. I, I have a lot of questions from my client and I guess even internally about, you know, what's the split between commerce engine and Sitecore commerce and how do we how do we know what the capabilities of the underlying engine are versus what we do in Sitecore, what's custom and what's out of the box, what can we expect and what can't we do, how can we extend it? And, you know, I, it's it's still a lot of questions and people are still just starting out in really pushing those boundaries. Um, I think from a resources point of view, the, you know, the Slack e-commerce channel is very active um, now. Started off quite quiet, but, you know, there's clearly people working on some quite large implementations, which has really helped um, sort of push the the knowledge there. So, we're not just talking about abstracted content um, concepts from demos or, you know, the, the Habitat retail engine and everybody's sort of moving on from the, oh my gosh, how do I even get this thing installed? And it's cool to see some real world um, implementations, the the barriers, the struggles, but also the cool things that are now possible that we, d- that we were never able to do in um, the previous versions. So, definitely if you're after development information, the Slack e-commerce channel... And also, I guess I sort of briefly mentioned it then, but the Sitecore uh, retail demo, the Habitat retail one, mm-hmm. I like looking at code. I find if I can get it up and running and then, you know, click a button and see what the code's doing and click another button and see what the code's doing really helps me understand and be able to connect those lines myself. And with any, you know, I think it's part of any good Sitecore developers toolkit decompilation. Uh, sure. I'm a fan of .peak. Uh, that's what I use. So, you know, I, I, I don't know how anybody does Sitecore uh, development without decompiling it. I know we're not officially allowed to do it. Probably shouldn't say that, but definitely, <laughs> you'll definitely need to do it. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it, I mean, I think I haven't run into a single site where developer commerce or otherwise that that hasn't yeah used like dot peak or IL spy or reflector yeah. or something just to try and figure out like what well, where is this error even coming from like it's an invalid <laughs> argument I don't even know what argument that was so it was, it's uh it, it, it's good for tracking that that sort of stuff down so I mean it, it, we've kind of talked uh, kind of between. Um, you know, version eight and version nine, version yeah. nine being, you know, released this year. I, I, I guess what was the, you know, and I've, I've, I've seen a lot of buzz around version nine in that it's kind of the, the, the first full Sitecore version of, of, yeah. of the commerce product. I, I guess what are the, what, what are the major differences in it between the, the, the two versions and what was, what was really new in version nine? Okay. What's new in version nine? Um, almost everything. I say that because what I think of as version nine is really the commerce engine, um, which kind of half came out in um, 8.2.1. So, you know, 8.2.1 saw us have uh, pricing and promotions, orders, um, 
man, this is going to be a struggle to remember all the different parts here. Yeah, I should but, have written them all out. Yeah, and but then, I mean, I think you raise yeah. a good point is that the, 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 the commerce product itself, I think when you say yeah. e-commerce, that means a lot of stuff to a lot of different people yes. of, you know, you could be selling, I don't know, something like snowshoes or something. And, you know, you have an online catalog. So yeah. you've got a catalog of products. Uh, you're, you're marketing those out on, on a website and then people buy them. Um, and so that you, you get an order and now you've got to fulfill that order and, and actually collect money in some, some format, whether it's, you know, most people are used to a credit card or something like yeah. that. So there's, there's the, the, the commerce product, you know, and then you may have somebody that they've got a digital product or they, all they really need to do is just collect money. You know, they, you're, you're know, like an online event system. Uh, we need to charge you $50 to, to attend this event and you'll get a, you know, something you can print out that is your ticket. Yeah. So I think it, it might be worthwhile kind of going through that. Those are actual individual parts of the whole commerce platform. It's not, you know, it, 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 it truly is a platform in that sense. Yeah. And I think the cool thing about um, version nine is that sort of move to a microservice style um, architecture. Uh-huh. Um, I'm going to use the microservice term here liberally. Um, Sitecore definitely uses it, but whether or not it strictly conforms to those principles is an area that's up for debate and people do debate it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the general idea. So I think what Sitecore is doing is moving away from the idea of it being a really monolithic e-commerce system. And turning it into something that because it's made up of individual parts and, you know, everything's a plug-in to that main engine, that you're not, you're not kind of hacking things together and changing a bunch of modules. Everything's expandable. And that's the cool thing, that you're no longer hacking things together to get it in there and to introduce your functionality or to get it to send an order to, you know, an external system or to have something happen as part of that process, every part of the process you can inject something different into. And that's, that's the kind of the forward part of it. And I think that when you look at something like commerce server, which did have, you know, it has the capability to do a lot of things um, and it's, you know, it's solid, it's proven. And I know people didn't like it, but, you know, it, it definitely proved itself in a lot of those applications. But, it's difficult to it's difficult to extend if you're trying to get it to do something new. You're kind of cobbling it together and manipulating your case into it some way that fit into the system. And you know, um, experience commerce at V9 kind of gives you that option to add things in a little bit more easy and really customize it to the use case that you're looking for. And you know, when you think about it, commerce server was around in a time where. And people didn't really sell digital products. You, you know, we were still buying Windows on CDs and things, um, let alone, you know, the kind of digital distribution that we have nowadays. So having something that really supports that, you know, or provides us the ability to support that, which I think is the bigger thing, is is really cool. Yeah, it's... Um and, and that's, I think, the, the interesting part. I've worked on other commerce platforms and, you know, a lot of times it's the, the, the concept of a, a product catalog of, so you, you've got all your products, they're modeled out. They've, you know, you've got, you've got attributes that go with each product different categories that you want to market them, but maybe you you sell through a channel. So you're going to push somebody to your retail channel. And so you don't need checkout. You don't need, uh, you don't need to be able to take orders, but you want to be able to manage your, your, your products or, you know, like, as I mentioned, the one is maybe you don't have a bunch of products. You just need to take 
payments online for for some sort of thing. So having those different components is 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 definitely useful. Um, and it's it's it definitely seems to be the direction that you know makes the most sense because you can kind of pick and and choose the the, the parts of the commerce platform that you need. Yeah, and you can also add the parts as you need them as well. And, you know, moving away from having something huge that has a lot of redundant parts and a lot of things like that. I've worked on, you know, Sitecore Commerce projects where the only piece that they utilize of Sitecore Commerce is the catalog system. But you still have to have everything else as part of that and everything still installed and everything there gives you a potential for for an error. And um, if you've used Commerce Server on Windows 10 lately, I think that you can see that happening as well. You've mentioned you've been on a couple projects. I guess who you know, not not without getting into specific details of who these these customers are, but like in general, what is kind of who is the ideal customer for for Psychos Commerce offering? <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of out there saying like everyone. I I you know, I've indicated I like a challenge. I would gladly try anything on there. And I think traditionally we've had a really B2C focus in there Uh for consumers as well. And, you know, there's some, you know, larger sites that are running uh, through that model and with that as well. And definitely the the current and earlier releases of V9 and um, the the earlier commerce server parts definitely reflect that. If you look at the -the out-of-the-box SXA components, they're 100% B2C. And I think... You know, the the cool part is now starting to, to use that for B2B applications as well. And as we're sort of, you know, companies and larger companies start to move towards more of a B2B2C model and organizations that have traditionally used a distributor model are starting to look at how they can sell direct to consumers, um, but also giving their distributors and, um, you know, other people that buy from them an experience that kind of treats them as a a first class, you know, purchaser as well. Because, yeah, which, so I think that traditionally the, you know, it's been B2C and Cycle is definitely trying to get more B2B focused, but there's still a heavy lift in regards to the the capabilities and needs of B2B customers and some of the more um, the more complicated systems that they do actually have and integrating things like quoting, customized pricing, uh, you know, even distributing from different warehouses and drop shipping and all of that um, is things that aren't native out of the platform, but definitely that more microservices and modular type architecture helps us get there a little bit easier than what it previously could have been. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, ideal customer. I don't think there's an ideal customer. The ideal customer would probably have to be uh, not quite technologically conservative and be a little bit more open to to Mm -hmm. using a more modern and new platform. Definitely with it being out on the market this year, uh, there's a lot of, well, has it been tried and tested? What are the capabilities? How many products can it handle? How many transactions can it handle? How does it integrate with this? How does it integrate with that? And, you know, those questions haven't necessarily been proven in the real world yet, but those examples are 100% coming. And, you know, not just from my organization employer, but, you know, other people as well uh, are moving there. It's just, you know, it's a new product. And with the kind of longer development time to market for e-commerce applications, we're not seeing those results out in the public space yet. Yeah. I mean, I can uh, just to kind of jump on something you said there is, is 
e-commerce projects tend to take a lot longer to implement because by their nature, you're almost always integrating with some sort of system. Uh, especially, I mean, if you're talking, you know, I, I think we probably both could agree that, you know, an ideal customer wouldn't be somebody that, that currently has an Etsy store oh, and you know, yeah, wants, no. wants to go from there. Like you, you got to have some significant sales, just that the barrier to entry to get into Sitecore, you know, from yeah. a licensing standpoint is going to warrant a certain size of business. Yeah. I, I think it's not you know, Shopify. Um, yeah. It, it, there's no way to, you know, I, I, I guess I, I didn't want to tap dance around that because you know, that there are, there are, yeah, like you said, Shopify is a great platform out there. Uh, you know, if your revenue is in the like thousands of dollars a year, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Sitecore is probably not for you. No. Um, just be, just, just be like, you look at the return on investment, you know, the licensing cost alone is just not enough to warrant, you know, $5,000 a year in revenue. So, yeah. you know, if, if you're, if you're, Kind of making crafts on the side, then you know maybe Etsy or even Shopify is a a good solution for you. But if you're a larger organization with a with a with a serious kind of commerce goal, uh, it's it's definitely worth checking out. And and as you mentioned, it's it's a it's a more complex implementation because those larger companies are going to have systems internally, whether it's like an I'm thinking like an ERP system or a PIM or or, or something, you know, the you know PIM being product information management where you're going to have catalog information that that's those are complex complex integrations not because it's you know technically well it technically can be complex but the the business rules alone are usually pretty complex yeah and i think but i think that that's one of the reasons why we can start to use sitecore in regards to the the integration and the systems there you know talking about complexity of integrations and pims and erps and all the other bunch of fun e-commerce um, acronyms, you'd be surprised by the number of large organizations that don't actually have those systems in place um, and, you know, that don't have a complete catalog of all of the products they have for sale and things like that. And, you know, part of an e-commerce implementation can also be helping people coordinate and gather that information and what's going to be their process there. And, you know, we're still talking about large enterprise um, customers there, but, you know, on the other side, you do have people who have really complex warehousing and fulfillment um, business logic and, you know, current systems that um, that deal with that and help people with, you know, knowing when things come into the warehouse, their inventory, how do they get out and integration into their shipping systems and things like that. So, <laughs> it's it's complex and that, yeah, definitely affects that time to market there. You touched on the, what's the word I'm looking for? You touched on the scope of that complexity. It's you have a marketing site that you know. Here's our offerings, and here's some information, and maybe, maybe you go through the the process of of personalizing that and trying to drive certain behaviors on the site. But e-commerce opens up a, a whole whole level of complexity of how are you doing business online, and, and as you mentioned, handling inventory. Are you going to have? Uh, I think back to just early e-commerce products I worked on. You know, around the turn of the last century, and the kind of the first pitch, first you know, right when the Amazons and everything were coming online, it was you know, do you what do you do with products that are out of stock? Do you want them on your site or do you not? And that integration of uh, how, do, how do we get real time inventory? You know, we can't even get that internally. You know, somebody calls in, we don't we don't know if it's in stock yet because somebody's got to go out and physically look to see if it's in the warehouse. And now you've. You multiply that by the complexity of today's business where you have multiple warehouses. It's, that's, you know, it's, it's a complex, it's a complex project. 
Yeah, and I think that definitely the the larger e-commerce um, websites and provider not providers, just websites, have definitely changed the consumer expectations as well. So, you know, making sure that those systems and processes are really down pat and efficient because you're, you're now dealing with people who regularly expect their things to turn up in like maximum two days. And as a consumer, it definitely affects my purchasing decisions. And you turn around and you look at some of the e-commerce sites that you're implementing and sometimes you view them from the point of view of a consumer as well and making sure that um, people can, you know, make that workflow come together in a way that makes it easier for people on the other end, on both sides, people packing and shipping and doing those orders. But also as a consumer, that disappointment you get when you get an email saying, oh, we're sorry, but we've cancelled your order because the product was out of stock. Or, yeah. you know, when it comes one day late and you're just sort of like, oh, maybe I won't purchase from them again. Maybe I'll go somewhere else or maybe I'll just buy it from Amazon. So, it, it's definitely changed the way that we... Um, that we that we have to build e-commerce applications as well. Yeah, and it's I mean you, you mentioned the 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 500 punk gorilla in the room too is there there's a I think it was a, a couple months back there was an you know the 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 satire paper the onion had uh it was you know that it was done as a column by Jeff Bezos the the, the head of Amazon and it was like you know people people starting in businesses ask me for business advice all the time and you know my advice to people is work really hard and know one day I will utterly crush your 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 company <laughs> it's, it's it's um you know it's a challenge so you you've got to have your your stuff in order and everything sorted in order to to, to compete in the world because your customers are gonna your, your your customers demand that yeah and not just your customers i mean taking the example of amazon they're also a marketplace so amazon has a lot of smaller operators that you know sell through them and really depend on that platform for you know, to keep their store alive and opening as well. And so, when you start treating them a little bit differently, sometimes it affects um, that as well. So, there's always room in the market for somebody else to come in. Yeah. Well, Kelly, I, I definitely appreciate you kind of coming on the podcast and talking about commerce. It's something that I've, I've, I've been involved in over the years. I've not had the, the chance to kind of dig into Cyclist uh, Commerce offering as much as I probably would have liked to. And like I said, at the beginning of the show, everybody kind of pointed me to, you know, you really need to talk to her. So thanks again for coming on the show. If folks don't know how to find you online, what are you know, where, where can people find you online? So I'm on Twitter. Um, KJaneB is my Twitter. I'm kind of fairly active there at the moment. Um, but also I'm doing a session at Symposium on developing plugins for Sitecore Commerce. It probably has the blandest title out of most of the developer tracks ones. But the idea is to really get really down in depth with the parts of the Sitecore Commerce engine that build up a plugin. So we're going to learn about, you know, pipeline, pipeline blocks, pipeline arguments, commands, components, this yeah, <laughs> really all of the individual pieces, how to throw them all together with the idea being that, you know, you can kind of go through and build anything. Um, so that's on the, the 10th of the 10th at 10 a.m. So <laughs> nice. if you want to yes. find more um, out about that, uh, rock up to the session. But otherwise, yeah, I will be around at Symposium and um, trying to get to some user groups and things in between as well. Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, I will definitely see you at Symposium, and I, I, I hope to see everyone there listening. And if you're listening after Symposium, it's you know, it's look for it the the, the following year, or find your local user group. And <laughs> if you have an interest in commerce, get in touch um, with me on Twitter as well. 
So yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, Kelly, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on, and everyone listening, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks very much. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Core Sampler. To see show notes from this and past episodes, please visit coresampler.fm. There, you can also subscribe to this podcast to get new episodes as soon as they're released. If you liked what you heard today, please tell a friend and then go to iTunes to rate and comment on our show. Even if you're using a different app to listen to us, those ratings and reviews really do help others find us. Are you a professional working with Sitecore and interested in joining the show? Or would you like to leave some feedback directly? We want to hear from you. Drop us a line at info at coresampler.fm. That is all for this episode of Core Sampler. We'll see you next time.